Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Many of us deal with unresolved trauma or disturbing experiences from our past, and we try to cope with it the best we can. And there is a broad spectrum of trauma that affects us and influences our lives in countless ways. But according to my guest today, it is possible to eliminate traumatic responses instead of just coping with them. Dr. Dunwood is the founder of the Inspired Performance Institute and the author of You Must Be Out of Your Mind, We All Need a Reboot, and his newest book, Emotional Concussions. Dr. Wood is an expert on emotional trauma, and during his years of research, he coined the term emotional concussions, which are events and experiences in life that may have had a profound effect on our current behavior and habits. Dr. Wood discovered that traumatic subconscious blocks, PTSD-like symptoms, as well as health issues related to an overactive sympathetic nervous system can be eliminated and rebooted with a simple and non-invasive program. The same neuroscience-based program also helps his patients overcome impediments with regards to their progress in business, to relationship issues, to athletic performance. As Dr. Wood says, nothing is wrong with you. You might simply just need a reboot. I'm Ariana Summer, and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically, and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting-edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. You created the Inspired Performance Program. Um, what's the reason behind not calling it trauma therapy? Well, what I realized is, is that when people have unresolved trauma, right, that's affecting not only their performance, but their health. And when we get that taken care of, we can get a resolution to it. We can basically reboot the brain. Then performance goes up. So I thought it's a much better way of dealing with this. It's much more positive to say what's interfering with you reaching your highest level of health and performance. And what I have found in most situations, it's this unresolved trauma. And who wants to go to trauma therapy? Right? <laughs> so this is a much softer way of saying we can get you to that next level, that next gear. So whether it's athletes, CEOs, executives, right? Even people just dealing in their personal lives everybody can improve their performance. Absolutely. And of course, you're known for working with peak performers, such as you've just mentioned, um, top athletes and CEOs and people who really need to be on top of their game. And with regards to trauma, you actually separated into two camps, um, uh, what you call the so-called big T trauma and also emotional concussions. I would imagine that most people are aware if they experienced a big T trauma, but what about these emotional concussions? Are there specific signs um, that we experienced emotional concussions or how would we even realize that we have them? And does everyone have them? 
most people have them. Those are the reason I coined that term emotional concussions was because I dealt with a lot of people who would look at some of the testimonials on our site, you know, from Boston Marathon bombing survivors and Vegas shooting victims. And they would say, oh, I don't have anything like that. Mm-hmm. And but they're still struggling with anxiety or depression, things like that. And so I, t- I termed the coin emotional concussions to talk about the times when maybe you had a, a coach or a parent that was overly critical, mm. you know, and just made those little comments to you. Well, they're just like concussions. They accumulate. You know, if you get bumped enough times in the head, right, those are eventually going to have a cumulative effect on the way your brain operates and emotionally as well. So it could have been, you know, that parent that in their wisdom think that they're actually doing the right thing maybe by being overly critical of you for example i had here's a great example i had a lady who she said um i procrastinate all the time which was one of the things i call as an emotional concussion that's the result of emotional concussions and so i so what we got back to is when she was uh growing up her mother was a teacher So every time her mother would ask her to bring her her homework or anything that she was working on, the mother would sit down and use a red pen and underline and highlight all the mistakes she made. So she said whenever she had to do any work, she just wanted to avoid it because she knew she was going to get that criticism, right? And that came from early in life. So now all of a sudden she has to get work done, whether it's at work or wherever she is. That was still playing in the back of her mind that when she presents it, right, it's going to be critiqued. And she wanted to put that off as long as she could. Now, was her mother trying to hurt her? No, right? But that overly critical mother was creating this fear of being criticized or getting something wrong. Mm. Oh, my goodness. And that really hits home uh, for me as well. I know this procrastination thing very well. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people do. So, of course, this is not, you know, the the treatment and the therapy. But what kind of a question would I have to ask myself? I really want to look at this procrastination because it's not the job that needs to get done. I know I'm perfectly capable of it and whether it's something minimal, a task at home, or whether it's a bigger thing, an assignment, something for my company. Uh, what, what should people who experience this look at? Well, what you want to do is identify maybe where it came from. Because mm-hmm. I start from the premise that there's nothing wrong with anybody. There's nothing wrong with anybody's mind. Our minds are being affected by the events and experiences that we've had throughout our lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so if And what I talk about, here are 10 things that successful people never do, as opposed to saying, here's what successful people do, right? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, if you could have done it, you would have done it. So what I identify are here are things that successful people don't do, which is procrastinate. Now, if you do procrastinate, then there's a reason why you're doing it. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Your mind has learned to protect you. And the way to protect you for this particular lady was to avoid the pain of being criticized, getting something wrong, especially as a child, because you think about a child has very little life experience to understand what the mother was trying to do. In her mind, it was like, oh, I can never get anything right. 
but the mother was thinking, well, I'm, I'm showing her how to get it right, to go back and redo it. But you see the pattern that would develop from that is a very young mind doesn't want to be in pain, doesn't want to be hurt. And so as she gets older in life, then that becomes a coping tool to protect her from pain. Um, I worked with another gentleman who, again, I'm, I'm using the best case scenarios. You know, there's obvious emotional concussions can come from someone who is obviously hurtful to a child or, or creating pain. But I had a gentleman who really struggled with his business. He was trying to get his business off the ground and just couldn't. And he had really good ideas. But what it really came down to is when he was a child, he grew up in a household with very, very conservative parents who were like, you get a, you get a good education, you graduate college, you get a job, you get a 401k, you buy a house, and you retire. But that was sort of the, the model for it. But he had an entrepreneurial flair. So what he had learned to do as an entrepreneur was to avoid risk. Mm. So he was constantly trying to find people that would take the risk on. So he had like basically a health and wellness business. So he was trying to get, for example, chiropractors, right, to lease the equipment and then share in the revenue with them. So he was trying to avoid getting space to do it on his own, to lease the equipment on his own. Because in his mind, that was dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. That was going to be creating a lot of fear for him. Now, he wasn't conscious of this. This is just what he was doing. Now, these parents weren't trying to intentionally hurt him. That's just the way they, they modeled their life. But for somebody who's an entrepreneur, avoiding risk is impossible. I mean, you have to run straight headlong into the fire every day. Yes, right? you do. And so he just couldn't do it until we took him through the program. And then within that first year, he did a million dollars with a business. He's doing about four million a year now. Fantastic. Only just because he got stuck and didn't even realize he had been stuck. Right. And I think you're bringing up a crucial point. Of course, um, there are uh, caretakers, parents who intentionally want to hurt the ones they are supposed to take care of. But most parents actually mean well. They don't mean to hurt their children. They're just trying to do the best that they can do with the tools at their disposal. And um, I think it's also important for ourselves to divest ourselves from that. Of course, we want to put our parents on a pedestal, uh, but it's important to see them as just human. And in that way, also be able to recognize, okay, you know, they um, were trying to do their best. Actually, you know, it did cause a, an emotional concussion, but that's okay. Now I look at it, now I'm dealing with it, and I can release it, right? Right, yep. And and talking about releasing, a lot of people cope or manage their traumas um, instead of fixing them. What's a typical way that people would manage their traumas? Well, then that's what the current system does, is it yeah. teaches you to live and manage and cope with it. So you have anxiety, we're going to put you on anxiety medication. We're going to teach you to do you know, yoga, to do meditation. And those are all good things. But if you haven't got to the root of the issue, right, those are just teaching you to manage it. And so I was with my daughter, this is a few months ago, and we came into the house and I looked and I saw the pool was low with water. And so I said to her, I said, well, if we were pool therapists, we would go get a hose and fill up the pool. I said, but the way I look at it is, why is the pool low? 
That's just a different way of looking at it. And that was the approach that I took with this is when people come in and tell me I have anxiety, I say, why? Mm -hmm. Right. That's the symptom. Yeah. Right. That's not the cause. Right. People look at it as that's what I have. No, that's the result of something that happened that is creating that symptom. And people identify with it. And so all of those kinds of things that they're taught is to learn how to manage and cope with it. You know, anger management. And I'm like, why would you want anger? Why would you want to manage anger? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> right? That doesn't seem like it would be a good idea. Right. And um, anxiety also uh, hits home for me. Uh, I've spoken on this podcast a few times about it. I've been living with and managing anxiety yeah. <laughs> for yeah. many, many years of my life. I, I do have a pretty good idea where it comes from. Uh, it's a very personal family situation. However, uh, I would be really intrigued. Can you walk us through how uh, this program of yours, the steps of the program? So I come to you and I tell you, I have anxiety, uh, Dr. Don. And so how would this program look like? It's really quite different than anything you'd expect. And so what I do, basically, I start off, I don't need a lot of details about what happened in your life. And for example, I had a lady come in and she spent 15 minutes sort of telling me all these things that had happened to her during her life. And when she finished, I said, is there anything else? And she goes, well, that was a lot, don't you think? And I said, oh, yeah, that was a lot. I says, however, for the last 15 minutes, I learned a lot about what happened to you but I haven't learned anything about you yet. Mm. You see, in her mind, that was who she was. And what I'm uh -huh. saying is, no, that's just what happened to you. So now let's look at who you are, what's interfering with you being able to be who you really want to be. And so the first thing I do is I, I spend about, it's a four-hour program, and I take you through the whole four hours of this, uh, consecutively, so it's not broken up. The first hour and a half, I'm talking about the research and science behind why your mind is doing what it's doing. It's remarkable when you understand why this is actually happening. It takes all that mystery out of it. Mm -hmm. Of course, your mind's doing this. It's designed to protect you. So when people say to me, oh, I sabotage myself, I say, that's impossible. It's not possible to sabotage yourself. Your brain will never do that. It's designed for survival. It will create workarounds to pain. It will do amazing things to avoid pain, which will look like sabotage. So somebody will say, well, I'm doing great in my career. Everything's going along great. And then all of a sudden I do something stupid and I go off in this direction. Right. I'm, I sabotage myself all the time. And I said, not really. Your mind saw pain coming. And so it created a diversion to, to avoid the pain. Mm -hmm. That's how our brains work. That's not sabotage, that's survival. So pain is something that our minds will go out of, out go tremendous ways around avoiding pain. Um, so the first hour and a half is education, science, so that you understand that there's nothing wrong with you. The reason you're, you've been having anxiety is because your mind is continually looping through those experiences. Mm -hmm. That's how our brains work. So 
Then what we'll do is then we'll say, okay, I want to move you into a very, very relaxed focused state, which is alpha brainwave state. That's where your mind is super relaxed and super focused. It's the same state we get into when we watch TV or read a book. So it's not hypnosis. You're not going, we're not going deep like that. I don't believe we need to. It's an alpha that the mind starts doing restoration because it feels so safe. When we have traumatic events and experiences in our life, those are stored in what is a beta brainwave state, a very intense beta brainwaves are between 15 and 30 hertz. So when you have an event that's traumatic, your mind is in that very high energy state and it's recording it in a beta state. So that intensity has to be diluted. Otherwise, every time you recall that memory, it's in this very high energized active state. Your subconscious mind is fully present in the moment all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's a glitch. Because your subconscious mind operates in the present and it's fully present all the time and it accesses traumatic memory, when does it actually think the memory is happening? Right, right now. now. Mm -hmm. there's where the anxiety is coming from. It's calling for an action. The purpose of an emotion is a call for an action. The purpose of fear is to escape a threat. The purpose of anger is to attack a threat. So if you think about something that happened to you five years ago and your heart starts beating in your chest, your mind thinks something is happening and you need to run. And it's calling for the action. It's a glitch. Mm -hmm. That's what we fix. And so we'll take a look at two or three of those events throughout your lifetime. I don't need any detail on it at all. I just take you through a two, three minute exercise that gets your mind to take it from a beta brainwave state into an alpha brainwave state. And then once it's reprocessed in that, it's very relaxed, doesn't call for an action anymore. Hmm. And the, yeah. the way, a, a great way to explain this is if I asked you what you ate for dinner last night, can you tell me what you ate for dinner? Yes, very easily. A huge okay. salad and vegan bratwurst. <laughs> very good. <laughs> so when I asked you that, you saw pictures, right, of what uh -huh. you ate. Yep. Yeah. That's how you stored the information about dinner last night. Now, because it wasn't threatening or disturbing, it's stored as a fairly low-resolution file. So when we have a traumatic memory, at that moment, all your senses are heightened. You're in a very heightened beta brainwave state. So it's taking in tremendous amounts of information every sound, every smell, every sight. So now you've got this beta brainwave memory stored, which keeps activating your nervous system, puts you into a constant fight or flight state. What I do is we're going to look at three of those events. I take you through a process, a technique that gets it to reprocess into the same format as to what you ate for dinner last night. Mm -hmm. And then the mind stops calling for the action because there's no intensity, there's no call for an action. Your mind doesn't feel unsafe in that state. Right. And that you makes mentioned, sense. makes total sense. And you mentioned something that I think would be, uh, um, that is very important for a lot of people to hear and maybe expound a little bit upon, because people with traumatic experiences have a great fear of facing those again. You said that nobody actually has to share their actual experience during the program. Why is that not important? because their mind knows what the issue is. It's not important for me to know it, which is very, very different. 
So what I do is I have three different ways. So I would say to you, one, if you want to talk about it and give me a quick two-minute, three-minute highlight reel, like a trailer from a movie, right, you can do that, and I'll still take you through the technique. Or two, I'm going to do it just visually. So I'll take you through the technique. You'll be viewing it, right, but you're not going to be sharing it with me. Or three, I'm going to have you tell me in a new language, and I'm going to teach you a new language, and it's called flowing. And there's only one word in a flowing language, and it's flowing. So instead of saying, I walked into the room, you would say flowing, flowing, flowing. Every word's flowing. Mm -hmm. The idea behind that is even though you're saying flowing, you're going into memory. And while you're in that memory, we're taking you through the technique that gets the mind to start the reprocessing for you. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very safe. So I work with, you know, say if I'm working with a woman who has been sexually assaulted, right? So this is the first time she's ever met me. That's very difficult to sit with somebody and have to share that experience, even if it's only for a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. So I don't need her to do that. So when I took my wife through the program, she used flowing because <laughs> so, she had trauma as a child. It was still talk, difficult to talk to me, her husband, about it. And so this way... She never had to share any of the information. I took her through the process and completely updated it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, our brain and body are designed to heal themselves. Exactly. And, and, and a lot of people might also, and that's a wonderful thing. A lot of people might cling to that. Why do we still need help to heal our traumas? Because we get stuck and it's very, very hard. So the best way, I'm a golfer. I love golf. Yeah. Why, why did Tiger Woods have a coach? Uh -huh. The coach was not better than Tiger Woods. There's no way Tiger Woods wouldn't beat his coach every day, right? But Tiger sometimes can't see what he's doing. So the coach would say, you know, on that backswing, at the top of your swing, you opened up the face of the club just slightly. Tiger probably wouldn't have even have seen it or felt it, but the coach can see it. And so that's all I'm doing is just taking you through the process. It's your mind that's doing all the work. Mm. All I have to do is guide it. And once it gets the process down, right, then it's just like if you came in with a broken leg, we reset your leg, right? We don't have to think about it healing. Just the system knows how to heal. It just has to get reset. And so what I'm doing is the same thing, but just resetting that traumatic memory. Right. And, you know, there's many people who carry heavy trauma with them all of their lives, but they may not even realize it. I speak from my own experience here. I have older family members who actually, as uh, small children, went through World War II in Europe, the hunger years after. And um, I have a sense that that generation, because so many people were affected by this hugely traumatic event in so many different ways this generation and the one before just chose not to process it not to talk about it you'd sweep it under the rug you just have to go on functioning and i see and recognize now in these um in these people who are very dear to me who are now you know at an advanced stage in their lives how these things still affect them uh, however they are probably not even consciously aware of that is it possible to help guide people who are carrying trauma but are not aware of it or maybe don't want to seek help towards help or do they have to come to that themselves well they generally have to 
want to know that there's uh, something that they can get help for. Yeah. And so generally when the people come, they've got a specific thing that they're dealing with. Um, but again, we don't need to know mm. exactly what it is, right? We don't have to go into tremendous detail. Like I said, we work on three different events. Um, and it's, a, it's a so brilliant on how our brains work, how our minds work. I worked with a lady who had a very bad sexual abuse as a child, multiple, multiple events. And so we'd worked on three. And she said to me, she says, well, we're going to be here all night because I have so many of these. Mm -hmm. And I said, we don't need to do any more. She said, well, don't we have to go through each one? And I said, no. I said, we've got the process started now. So when you go to sleep tonight, you're going to go, you're going to go into a theta brainwave state. Mm -hmm. And theta is where we dream. And what the mind is doing is processing what it learned during the day. So it's now got this technique down. It'll start to process more and more of that memory for you mm -hmm. because now it's got the technique. And so I met her a month later at a store just by chance. And she came up to me and she says, I want to share something with you. She says, it was no question we had cleared those three events. She says, I went home. She says, for the first time, I was able to talk about it with my husband. Mm -hmm. She says, I could never do that before. So she says, no question that was completely different. She said, but I'm going to be honest with you. When you told me my mind would clear other events that we never talked about, she goes, I said, that just sounds too good to be true. I didn't believe you. She said, but I was at Universal Studios with my daughter and my husband on the weekend. And she said, I was riding on the escalator and I was looking over the railing. And she says, and my daughter said, mom, look at what you're doing. She goes, I never told you I had a fear of heights. We never even discussed it. And it's gone. She's I got up to the top of the escalator and I went over to the railing and I watched people walk underneath. She says, I could never do that before. Wow. That's how brilliant our brains are. Yeah. So once the brain gets the tool, it can continue the healing journey, right? What's the success rate with this program? And can it help people even if they don't believe in it? Yes. And what I always say to them is you don't have to believe in science for science to work. <laughs> I see if you get up on the third floor of a building and you jump off and you don't believe in gravity, guess what? <laughs> You're coming down. Right? So science just is science. And that's really all it is, is yeah. we're designed to heal. Just like you mentioned, our minds and bodies are designed to heal. What's mm -hmm. interfering with it healing is it's in a constant state of fight or flight. Yes. And so when you're in that constant flight state, your mind doesn't want to do maintenance. We're being chased by a lion. Mm -hmm. So you could run on jagged rocks and bare feet being chased by a lion. You're not going to feel the pain because your mind's not going to bring to your attention that we need to be doing maintenance and be taking some weight off of these badly cut feet. Mm -hmm. Once you get away from the lion, now you're going to feel it because now the maintenance starts. Yes. The problem is, is that we have memory about lions that we've stored. And so we're in a constant lion loop. And that's continuing to activate our nervous system, which means maintenance is at a minimal level. The constant lion loop. Can you delve a little more into detail how trauma affects the body and the physical health? What are we actually looking at there? What, you know, on a larger scale, what, how can it affect somebody if for their entire life they're in this lion loop? My, my daughter had trauma when she was six that we didn't know about. She didn't disclose it to us until she was 16, some sexual assault. Mm 
Mm. Um, so what was happening for her, she developed Crohn's mm. and Crohn's is basically inflammation. And so what I've discovered is that when we have this unresolved trauma, that creates inflammation in the body. The inflammation compromises the immune system and the neurotransmitters. The cells for her and that area of her body went into a cell danger response. And so that cell danger response protects the cells from any foreign invader, any kind of foreign bacteria getting in. So it becomes inflamed and hardened. The purpose is to stop anything from getting into the cell, but nothing's getting out of the cell either. So, but it's a temporary pause until the danger passes, which makes sense. It's a perfect, it's an evolutionary protection system to keep us safe. Yes. The problem is, and only humans can do this, we're the only animal on the planet that stores explicit details about events and experiences. And if we store this very high intensity explicit memory in a system that's operating in real time, you can see where this glitch is going to come in. Because every time anything looks like, sounds like, smells like it, your mind is doing a Google search. What do we know about the current information that we're now taking in? So it does a match against it. What is, we experienced this before. We've seen this before. And what does it do? Starts pulling in a whole bunch of data about something that happened to you five years ago or 10 years ago. And then activate your nervous system to put you into a response to protect you against the threat. But there's no threat. Right. It's information about a threat. Yes. And you said nothing gets into the cell, nothing gets out um, for me. And that also sounds like that if you're constantly in that state, it's very difficult to get the things that we need, the nutrition into the cells. And it's very difficult to get the things that we need to get out of the cells, things we usually detox from out. So this sounds like it's very, very harmful for, for our general health and well-being on so many levels. And you talked about a memory system uh, and we have two memory systems. What are they exactly and how do they work? So the first memory system that we have that's unique to humans is this explicit memory where we've stored all the details about these events. Mm -hmm. No animal does that. Do you, do you have any pets? Yes, I have a have? tiny little tiny little Yorkie. He's four pounds and thinks he's 400. 400. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your Yorkie's name? Teddy. Teddy. Yeah. So everything for Teddy is happening now. Yeah. You can feed Teddy the same thing every day because he doesn't remember eating that yesterday. But, now try to do that with a human, feed them the same thing every day. We would get mm -hmm. bored, right? Mm -hmm. But animals don't remember what they ate yesterday. <laughs> so what Teddy has done though, is use the memory system that we also have. Mm -hmm. The animal memory, and we also have this procedural associative memory. We learn through repetition and association. So Teddy doesn't remember you feeding him but he's associated you with love and care and support, right? And safety. Mm -hmm. But he hasn't stored the details. He just knows when he sees you, right? He's safe, right? He's going to be fed. He's going to be loved. Yeah. But he hasn't stored a tremendous amount of detail about that. Yeah. We have that same system. It's how we learn how to play a guitar, ride a bike, right? We learn through repetition and association. That's how we build habits and behaviors, what mm -hmm. I call codes, so your mind is coding for you all the time. Mm 
how do we take care of this so that we don't have to think about it, right? If you repeat something over and over and over, what you're telling your mind is this is important. Yes. And so if it's important, we want to make sure we repeat it. So that part of the memory starts building a code to repeat it automatically. So we have both memory systems and they're both brilliant, right? But they can create these glitches, mm -hmm. error messages, just like mm -hmm. a computer, constantly looping through the same program. Right. And, you know, when you take people uh, through the program and you talk about how you know, when usually we attach a certain type of meaning to a trauma, uh, for example, I'm not smart enough or such. Once we clear the traumatic event, does that meaning also go away? Yes, because the meaning was also another way, especially as children. We're yeah. always trying to interpret our environment. What does this mean about me? You know, so a lot of times children would, would connect up with the world's not safe. I'm not safe right? I'm not smart enough. I'm not lovable. Mm -hmm. Because the conscious part of your mind, which this is intellectual part of our mind, is always trying to analyze. Because it's trying to, again, protect you. What does this mean? Well, this means that I'm not safe. I'm not lovable. Why, why does mom, you know, always yell at me? Why does mom never hug me? Right? Well, I'm not lovable. Mm -hmm. And then that carries through and then they get into relationships. And then that fear of not being loved, right, is coming from that experience as a child. And so all we need to do is update that. And when you update it, then that changes the way they see the world because they're constantly filtering through those lenses. Right. And so if from to me, it just sounds so fascinating and like such an amazing tool. So usually you're, the, the people you work with, they go through your program once and they're set or are there repeats or are there check-ins? You know, how does that work over the years? Is, is it a once in a lifetime event to work with you in your program or do you build upon it? No, it's pretty much a one and done mm -hmm. um, because once we've got it, so what we're doing is the opposite of what they did with the Wizard of Oz where they took it from black and white to color we're taking this this is where i believe most of the dysfunction is coming from the dysregulation of our nervous system is this constant looping through this old trauma that keeps activating our nervous system once we get that updated then it's pretty much set and then we give you the tools on how to be then building it and strengthening it so once we get you through that you know it's pretty much done now it doesn't mean you can't have another trauma and so I, I had one lady, she, um, that's exactly what happened. She went through our program completely, it changed her life. And then she um, had her dog attacked by another dog. She only had the dog for three days and it got killed by a pit bull in a pet store. And um, she was just beside herself. The great part about this though for her was when her boyfriend called me and said, she needs to come and see you right away. And I said, right away is not gonna help her, right? This is too traumatic right now. I said, I'm not going to be able to immediately calm that down. She's got to process a little bit of this, but I said, let's get her in sooner than later. Mm -hmm. So she did come in and literally within 15 minutes, it was just like reprocess because she knew it, right? Mm -hmm. She just got stuck now. So it was very easy for me, but that's pretty rare. Most people, once you learn this technique, 
are able to sort of reset it for themselves. Fantastic. And um, I mentioned it before, you also have worked, you are working with a lot of uh, peak performers, people who need to be at the top of their game, athletes, CEOs. Um, how are traumas and emotional concussion and high performance related? And why does someone's performance, how can it evolve to a whole new level? Why does it after the, your program? Well, I've worked with like a number of them. I'll give you a great example is, uh, do you know the Spartan races? Yes. Right. And so but, there was. But please, please illuminate some of our listeners who might not know what it's about. Spartan races. These, these people who run in these things are phenomenal athletes. Um, they run these obstacle courses. You know, they're, they've got all kinds of different things they have to do. They have to do these bear crawls. They have to swing across ropes, climb walls, run up mountains. I mean, it's pretty intense. And so. I was at, I speak at some of the Spartan um, conferences. So that I was asked if I'd come out and speak at the Spartan World Championships. This is in 2019. And so when I got there, the lady who runs Spartan Japan asked me if I would work with a friend of hers who's a Special Forces Green Beret who mm -hmm. was running in the World Championships on Sunday. She says, I really think that your program could help him perform better. But there were three people that were favored to win the race. She says, I'm not saying he has to beat them. She says, I'd just like to see how much he can raise his level against them. And so I worked with him. His name was Rob Killian. I worked with him on Friday. Now, obviously, he had some other things. But the big thing that was bothering him, especially during these races, and he talked openly about it, so I'm not sharing anything confidential. He had been running in a race earlier uh, where he picked up one of those 50-pound sandbags to run with, but there was a hole in the bag. And so he didn't know that the sand was dripping out of the bag. So after the race, one of the other racers went online and blasted all over the social media that he was a cheat, oh. that he picked up a bag, right, with a hole in it so he could run faster. Now, these Special Forces guys, integrity is everything to them. So this was affecting his performance. So once we got that, we worked on some other things, but once we got that, what I say is that when the cells are in a cell danger response, the energy in the cell is also not available. So it's not releasing that ATP in that cell, not in all the yes. cells, but in some of those cells. When we get that resolved, they can perform better. So what happened was, is that Rob ran in that race. That was on Friday. We worked with him on Sunday. He ran in the world championships and he won it. He beat the next closest guy by a minute. Now, did I make Rob a better runner, a faster runner? No, he always had that ability. But now he was so focused in an alpha brainwave state that he had all his power available. Hmm. There was no drain of power. What are people thinking about me, right? I want to make sure people don't think I'm cheating. So he'd be going out of his way thinking about those kinds of things. That affects our performance. Once we got that cleared up, Rob was always capable of running at that speed. He just didn't have that extra power until we got that done. Right. So, so your program helps unlock the true potential. Yes. And that's yeah. why it's a performance program. Marco Cicetto was a double amputee. He uh, lost both his legs to frostbite. He's from Kenya. He's a marathon runner. And so he came to see me nine days later, ran in a race, took 15 seconds per mile off his time as a marathon runner, which is pretty big. Wow, that is big. And, and then and so the next, but the next race he ran in was the Boston Marathon, but a month later, and he broke the world record. 
He's now the world record holder for amputees. And then a couple months later, ran the Chicago Marathon, broke his own world record by another five minutes, and got signed by Nike. So, again, I didn't make Marco better. I just gave Marco his true ability. He opened up all mm -hmm. that extra. The reason he ran faster was because he was staying present and in the moment. There was nothing draining energy away from his ability to stay in the moment. Outstanding. And when you when you talk with the people that you help, I mean, sometimes people might not even be aware of something that's bothering them or holding them back or a trauma. Uh, how do you get to the root of it so that nothing gets lost and really everything gets worked on? Because I imagine shielding oneself from experiences and trauma is also a big issue. Even if you know you want to release something, you might have something compartmentalized and stored away. And that, that happens quite often. But what's pretty amazing is that once we get into this, that's why I spend four hours, because mm -hmm. I believe it takes at least a couple of hours to get your mind into the state that it can start doing restoration and healing. Mm -hmm. So by the time we get there, it's pretty incredible what starts opening up. So I had, for example, a lady who came in and she said um, her mother got pregnant with her when she was 18, never married the father. She ended up marrying another man a few years later, and they had two other children. So there were three in her family. And she says, I've had a terrible relationship with my stepfather. Mm -hmm. She says, we never got along. I made his life miserable. She says, especially as a teenager. And she really couldn't identify what he was doing wrong until we got to an event when she was six. Mm -hmm. When she was six years old, she remembers her stepfather telling her that her natural father wanted to meet her. And so now you're six years old. You've never met him. This is a new experience. And what she heard her stepfather say is, you were a mistake. Oh, and, and uh, Dr. Wood, real quick, could you uh, just repeat that part of when she was six weeks old? Because her connection was unstable. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so when she was six years old, Right. Her father or stepfather came to her and said, your natural father wants to meet you. And so this is a pretty big event for a six year old who's never met her father. But what she did hear her stepfather say is you were a mistake. She said, I hated him for that. And so she just constantly gave him grief because he called her a mistake. As we went through the process, all of a sudden, she just said to me, I just saw the tears flowing. I said, what are you experiencing? She said, I'm having this rush of energy in my chest right now. She says, and I'm remembering my stepfather braiding my hair. Oh. She says, he was a really good man. That's why my brother and sister loved him. She says, I couldn't give him a break because she was harboring this. You were a mistake. That was subconscious. But once we identified it, right, that can change the relationship. Mm. Because she, she hadn't come to the belief or understanding yet that her stepfather was a really good man. He raised her really well. That's why the brother and sister, she just thought, well, they're natural children of his. It wasn't that. It was just that this event from being six years old with no life experience being told that you were a mistake which is hugely traumatic. And it's so important to be able to put it into the bigger context and perspective, as you just uh, told the story that this was actually a really good man 
even really good people make mistakes. Uh, but of course, a child can't. They don't have enough life experience to know yeah. that he probably didn't mean that, or maybe he just didn't use the best choice of words, yeah. right? Yeah. Not understanding how a child would interpret that. But children are, like we talked about, putting meanings to a lot of these different events with no life experience. Mm. You know, mm. my wife shared an event with me that when she was about the same age, she was invited to a tea party in the neighborhood by some of the mothers who had put it on for all the little girls. And she says her grandmother, now she's living in a traumatic household to start with. And then she, her grandmother dresses her up all pretty and her hair done and this pretty little dress and she shows up. And one of the mothers are sitting there with all the other mothers and says, oh, look at this little one. This is going to be a real heartbreaker when she grows up. Mm-hmm. And the other women are going, oh, yeah, she's going to be a real heartbreaker. My wife said I wanted to go home. She says I felt sick to my stomach. She says because what I heard them telling me is that I was a bad person. Now, yeah. they weren't intending to do that. They were complimenting her. But yeah. this girl doesn't know that saying. No, they should have. They should have maybe said, "Oh, you look so beautiful today. Look at you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yep. So those are the little things. Those are those emotional yeah. concussions that can come yeah. with the best of intentions. Huh. Oh, a lot of wisdom. Thank you for sharing from your experience, and um, I think that's that's going to resonate with a lot of people in the audience and. Um, Dr. Don, there, there's a question I ask every guest on okay. the show. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the spot now. So if, it's, it's, um, if you wish to okay. ask. Okay, no, I will. I'll ask. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's basically pretty simple. Um, all of the people I have the pleasure to interview uh, share from the amazing experience and expertise that they have. And so, of course, I'm always very curious are there any or is there any practice that has transformed your life positively, mentally, physically, or spiritually? And would you be willing to share what that is? Um, probably. Let's see. So something you mean that I, I currently do, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've, what's sort of been unique about my life, and which makes it probably difficult to answer that, is... I led this idyllic childhood. I never had any trauma. Um, I had the most nurturing home growing up. My parents never, we couldn't ever remember them raising their voice or yelling. So my nervous system was always sort of regulated. And so my wife, because she didn't live in that household growing up, she was constantly, you know, in fear. Even though before I developed the program, she was still in fear, even though she was living in my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't fix that. But the thing that I would do is I would just sometimes just zone out and just relax, just let my brain become really quiet. Mm-hmm. That made no sense to my wife. So when I would do that, she'd say, what are you thinking about? Because she'd see me in this peaceful, and I'd say, nothing. And she'd go, no, really, what are you thinking about? <laughs> I go, really, I'm not thinking about anything. She goes, that's impossible. You have to be thinking about something. That made no sense to her. Because the way she described it, which I thought was really good, is she said it was a constant chatter, not schizophrenic chatter, but a constant, you know, her mind didn't want to rest because it wasn't safe for her to rest. I never had that. 
So it was very easy for me. So sometimes I just like to put on a headset, listen to music. And I love Yanni. So I love listening to Yanni's music. And to me, I'll just do that sometimes in the morning before I start work. And I come in and I tell Alexa to play Yanni. (laughs) And I get Yanni and I just sit there and I zone out for a little bit. Don't think about anything and just enjoy the moment. Zoning out. Awesome. It's a beautiful thing. We can all use more of that. And Dr. Don, is there um, anything you would like to share with the audience that I haven't touched upon? Um, Just the best news to understand is that there's nothing wrong with anybody. So if you're suffering from some of these things, whether it's post-traumatic stress, anxiety, depression, um, understand that there are answers. You don't have to live and manage and cope with it. What we're finding is just using cutting edge neuroscience that we can fix it. Mm. And all we have to do is get to the root. So if you constantly pull the weed out from the ground level, you never get to the root, it's coming back. If you paint over rust, the rust is gonna bubble up. So what we do in our process is we basically, we're gonna sand it down, we're gonna reprime it, and then we're gonna paint it. And then it sticks. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And, for, and for people who want to learn more about you or get in touch, what's the best way to do so? So go to uh, www.getgettip, which is the name of the program, the Inspired Performance Program. So gettip.com. And then you can get uh, information. It will share with how our program works. You can. I encourage you to look at a lot of the testimonials because if you're dealing with a particular thing yourself and you can hear – you know, someone like a Rebecca Gregory, who was at the Boston Marathon, three feet from the first bomb, saying that she suffered with five years of post-traumatic stress and it was gone in a four-hour session. People who dealt with panic attacks for 30 years, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So we're designed to heal. And all I'm going to do is give you the tools to let your mind do exactly what it's designed to do, was uh, heal you. Dr. Don Wood, it has been such a profound pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for everything you do for developing these amazing tools of healing. You're truly a superhuman and a blessing to all of us. Thank you for being my guest today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution.